here we are. The sun is shining at last. A very, a very moist day still in Bloomington. Normal here. <laughs> and, uh, monsoon season over. Yeah, my gosh. Uh, here we are at Little Beaver Brewery on Five Finance Drive. I just got done with a Rainbow Sherbet. That was a delicious, uh, delicious beer. You had lunch here, right, Jeremy? I had the burger. Yeah, I hear it's good. How'd that treat you? Very good. I saw yours was looking pretty red there. Do you get a little, you get a medium side? Yeah, my kid got uh, medium well, and I got the medium red. Yeah, I like yeah. I like to go a little on the red side too. It's pretty good stuff. So, um, and uh, hey, Justin, how you going? Doing good. I uh, I stopped here a couple days ago because uh, they had some celebrity quote celebrity bartenders raising money for charity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had uh, some pretzel. Well, we guys got a bunch of appetizers, pretzel bites, and chicken nachos. Yeah, recommend those too. Treat yep. you okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the day they had the four special. Uh, they did, but I got here at five thirty, and out. they were we out. Did the same thing. Yeah, like, <clears throat> and I really I wanted fried pickles. You then? <laughs> I really wanted fried pickles. Well, my wife was going for the uh, the cauliflower. Yeah, uh, my wife wanted those too. Cauliflower wings. Yeah, yeah. whatever it was, and uh, the garlic uh, cheese balls looked really good. Uh, I yeah. can't go wrong with garlic cheese. Cool. Well, come by and check it out. Be sure to find something on the menu you like. Uh, you also might have heard that the intro was a little bit different if you've been uh, listening for a while. That is a new intro we have from the local band Wildermore. So I am very excited to have a local band doing our intro instead of the generic public domain music that I've been using for two years. Don't so. say that. I've been telling everybody that was me playing those instruments. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> outed you. Um, but yeah, check them out. Uh, Wildermore, they have a Facebook page where you can follow what they're doing. Their next gig is on the 3rd, July 3rd. It's at 5:30 over at Distill. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be playing it out there. It, it is free for all ages. They're opening up for a band called Alabama Getaway, who's a, a Grateful Dead cover band. Here, they're pretty good too. So, what, what's the date? The date is July 3rd at 5:30. Very cool. So check that out on your Fourth of July weekend. And thank you to Wildermore. And also uh, hi to Matt and Aaron, who are my friends who let us use that. So thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. So as you've already heard, Jeremy is here, Justin's here. We haven't gotten together since uh, election season got done. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been on vacation for a week, and I've traveled twice for work since last time, so I've been out of town quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. How's traveling these days with COVID? Anything weird you had to do? Uh, no. Where'd you go? Uh, well, vacation, we just went to uh, is it Madeira Beach, uh, south of Clearwater, Florida. Uh, spent a week down there. We flew. Um, <laughs> what you would expect. Everybody's masked up on the planes, and... Um, you know, give you uh, hand sanitizer and stuff as you get on. Um, so that was all right. And then I, f- I flew again um, down in Orlando for work um, for for a while. Same thing. And then we just I just drove up to Wisconsin here recently. Um, that was good. But hotels are very, very on it still. Um, yeah. You know, very very particular, which are, which is good. Um, but kind of like here too, right? If, except for airports. Anywhere else, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But yeah. airports are still pretty. We, we spent a week in uh, Colorado a couple weeks ago, yeah. vacation, just get away, and yeah. same thing. You yeah. know, mask, mask on the plane, but we got there. Pictures I sent back, people were actually commenting, there's no masks anywhere. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone yeah. else, I was, I, I, they went somewhere out east, I can't remember, maybe like southeast, maybe Virginia or something like that, and they were telling me, like, it's like masks never existed out there. Yeah, that's <laughs> how I was. We went to Lake Geneva in Wisconsin, it was the same way, we barely ever saw any masks, and... My kids are really confused. I just came clean with them. I was like, we know a few things. We know vaccinated people don't need to wear masks. Non-vaccinated people should continue to wear masks. If you're in a facility that says you have to wear a mask, then you need to 
honor what they say because that's their their building and they can do what they want. Or not go there. Um, or not go in. Yep. Uh, and uh, for you guys who are under the age of 12, we really don't, frankly, have any idea what's going on. And we're just trying to figure it out. So... If a grown-up tells you to put a mask on, put a mask on. Don't argue with them. So. My daughter got her second shot today at noon. Ah, cool. uh, so cool. she was pretty excited about that. But she up till, and she will continue this for another couple weeks. But even when they said non-vaccinated, she's been still wearing her mask. Like, Because my daughter's a rule follower, thank God. But, uh, so... But yeah, she's been doing really good with it. But she's excited to get her second shot, so she can start. I, I kind of forget about it. JT has both his, but yeah. you know he he's carrying a mask around. We went to DMV and didn't even think of it. I didn't have my mask. He walked in, <laughs> had one. I'm like, oh, I had to go back out in the car. Uh, and District 87, I know, announced that they're going to start with masks. School with masks, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. Kind of a bummer, like in some ways. Like I understand it. Like I'm not I'm not complaining, but kind of a bummer for kids I'm sure um, I wish they would maybe make it and maybe they will I don't know like make it so like when they're in their desk maybe they can take it off and when you're walking around put it on like that would be a little bit of a give uh, give back to some of those kids but at the end of the day I guess safety is better than nothing so. it's kind of kind of weird to me who or where what businesses do and don't yeah like I went in McLean County Orthopedics the other day yeah yeah they, oh you got a mask up I'm like oh, I'm double vaxxed right. doesn't matter so are we <laughs> oh, okay. And, the cool. employees are and like, obviously, I have to do it. You have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not turning around at that point because, you know. Yeah, right. No, yeah, it, it, that's true. I mean, I think a lot of medical facilities probably are going to be a little bit more, yeah. um, you know, have to have to wear them there. But yeah. Buses, you know, I know that on the bus you still have to, I think. It was really nice last week at State Farm not to have them on anymore, me being vaccinated. Um, that just changed at State Farm? I think it was just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was on vacation ago. the previous week, so yeah, it's been two weeks now. And it's okay. really nice. Yeah, yeah we it was probably about the same time, two three weeks ago um, at Country. They said as long as we had to sign a something that said we were vaccinated. Um, oh, interesting. And then okay. well, State Farm said it was code of conduct violation. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it's on your honor, but it's a code of conduct. Yeah, violation. yeah. I mean, of course, they're not going to ask for any proof or anything. I don't think, but yeah, um, but I really yeah. hope that everybody treats each other civilly. I haven't heard any instances of it not being, but I mean, it feels like as soon as we figure this stuff out, then situation changes, guidance changes, reality changes, and I, uh, I guess I'm, I'm watching at work to try to see if anyone who's wearing a mask seems like they're being harassed in some way, or someone's not if they're not being included. I, I think we're all adult enough to do that. That's it, right? I, I haven't seen anything at, at my work. Um, like that and I think it's just about treating people with respect you know wish we would have done that a long time ago with this but um, there's precautions there like I know like every conference room has cleaning supplies and you know they have like we have like clean and dirty signs that we flip yeah, and right. all that kind of stuff but um, yeah for the I mean I'd say probably about a third of the people that I see there and there's still not a lot that's coming in but about a third of the people are probably still wearing masks yeah. um, two thirds aren't I don't mind it as long as I don't have my glasses on. If I've got contacts on, it's if I'm wearing glasses and they're fogging up. I'm like, I, this is this is so wildly inconvenient you need the to me. Bigger gla- bigger glasses so that you can put it in like front. Like the Ruth, G- Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. type glasses. Because yeah. I honestly switched the glasses I was wearing when I'd wear them just so I could put them over my mask so they wouldn't fog up. I want some Terry Renner like connect glasses in the front. I know those are. So sna- what are they called? <laughs> I think they're called snaps. <laughs> clicks, clicks. That's what they're called. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll plug um, specs around town, downtown. That's where you get them. They got those. Yeah, they do. 
Yeah, that'd be nice because they get fogged up. You just snap them off. Yeah. You could have two pair, too, like he did during the meeting, so you could just like switch them back and forth. I mean, he's kind of iconic with those, but they're kind of slick. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brand. He's the only one I've seen them. You see use them, but they're kind of slick. <laughs> Jeremy's not making any comments. Yeah, he's not a fan. Uh, no, I'm uh, just sitting over here, guys. Keep talking. <laughs> Tucker Carlson has his bow ties. Does he still wear those? Is that I, I can't tell you last time. I, I haven't seen him since, uh, since Hardball, actually. That was yeah. when <laughs> John Stewart showed yeah, up. Yeah. That John Stewart appearance on Hardball was the end of that for me. I'm surprised that guy still has a career. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Tucker Carlson and, and the other guy who was there with him who apparently doesn't have a career anymore. Paul right? Oh, you know who else? Okay. Yeah, he's still out there. Yeah, he's still CNN. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What about, um, what's the guy that got caught with his pants down literally on Zoom? He's, uh, he came back to CNN. Oh, did he? Um, he got fired from the New Yorker. I'm, I'm, his name's escaping me right now. <laughs> oh, I'll get it. That. I got to <laughs> Google here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Be yeah. careful what you Google. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I was just thinking. I was <laughs> in a, so, so we've learned a lot of lessons about virtual meetings. Making sure your cameras and your audio is off. I was at a conference. At, Tubing. Uh, Jeffrey oh, Tubin. Yeah. I was at a conference last year, a virtual conference, and we were waiting for a session to start. And suddenly somebody's not on mute. And she just starts like laying into how boring the keynote speaker was. <laughs> oh no. Just like I'm I'm working in this stupid conference and it's like this guy was so full of himself and he just <laughs> thought he was so great and like it's so boring and almost like insulting the people that were there like oh yeah it's an insurance conference you know <laughs> like uh, and then suddenly her, her voice clicks off and I was like that is probably one of the highlights of my year <laughs> like that person I feel really bad for him but you know yeah mute yourself I bet she I turned out she was like the tech person so I think that her mic her mic was probably oh. unmuted by default when oh. the session started I've seen so I've been some real career limiting moves there with those situations. You're probably the same way, but like where it's because it's virtual, like there's no space between meetings anymore. They just like back to back to back. Yeah. And so I, I've seen it where like a new meeting will start, and I'll been I'll been on a meeting with this person be, like right before, and they're complaining about the previous meeting as a new oh, meeting starting because they haven't <laughs> muted yet. That's I've caught that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I one of the whole department a whole unit meeting we have with about 150 people i organize it under my calendar i don't always like i'm not usually the person who's running the agenda but it just i have to be the one who set it up so then i'm unmuted by default when i log into this and i always forget so then uh, the last time i was on i sneezed and then there were like five or three uh, i'm sorry there were like three to five bless yous over in the comment section <laughs> like, i was like ah. okay i'll unmute now it's fine good test so, yeah yeah uh so, so, yeah, it feels went, really good to come out of stuff, though, man. Like, it being able to travel. Like, I went to Pride last night, and that was, like, I probably saw a dozen people that I haven't seen in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the most fun parts of it. I was, And people, <laughs> I was telling my wife, like, some people have changed in this last year and a half, and, like, I don't recognize them that much. And, like, it takes you a second. It's like... Oh, yeah, I, you know, maybe they have facial hair and they gained or lost weight or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, it's hard I, to recognize. I forget, I've been wearing the beard now yeah. the entire time and then shaving the head. And that was that started at quarantine. Did it? Yeah. So, like, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing people that are like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been doing this for It's for like a year now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I was out at State Farm Pool and I've got my, my shredded six-pack abs now. And people are like, whoa, what happened to Tyson? He's ripped. No, I'm like, no. Yeah. It's pretty much the opposite. That's cool. <laughs> so tan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that happened, there'd be a problem. I've never been able to accomplish that. But, yeah, just like the little things. Like we, when, we went to, when we went to Lake Geneva, there was this little beach. There was a dock there. My kids were out on the dock. There were... 
several other children that they met there. They're just jumping off the dock over and over. If we stay there for five hours. They probably jumped off that dock 150 times. Right. Like, just they would synchronize their dives. They'd go one at a time. They, Being kids. Just, just, yeah, being kids and thinking about last year when we couldn't do that kind of stuff. Yep. And seeing their smiles, it's... Uh, I know, that's what, really nice. It's been disappointing the weather we've had over the last couple of weeks. Like, we've had a one one or two decent, like, weekends. But other than that, it's either, like, too cold or rainy or... And I just want... Like, we have a pool in our neighborhood. And, like, I want my kid to go down to the pool and, you know, meet... Because meet, we, we moved in March of 2020. So, like, she doesn't know the kids in the neighborhood because yeah. we've been all on lockdown for so long. So, um, I'm hoping the weather starts to get nicer in the next couple of weeks so we can get out more. Speaking of rain, you guys' houses okay? I'll just Mine go. Is, yeah. Mine, I don't know how. I'll be honest, but yes, it is fine. We have a, we had a very little bit, meaning like six inches by a foot and a half of uh, wet carpet in the basement. Um, which, with all the rain we got, and compared talking, to some of my friends' stories, wide, I'm okay. You're talking wide, not deep. Not right? deep. No, yeah. it wasn't deep at all. Just a little bit of wet carpet. Uh, yeah. Put a fan on it, the humidifier on it, and yeah. felt fine. But. Yeah, and, but around our house looked like a moat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like our whole lawn was flooded, um, but our house stayed dry, and we don't have a sump pump, um, uh, which is wow. I know, right? So, and we don't sit up on a hill, but we sit like on a hill. So the house behind us is a little higher. The house in front of us is a little lower. So you would think like it would rush down, but I mean our inspectors when we bought the house, he's like, it doesn't have a sump pump. I looked everywhere because our house is half basement, half cross space. He's like, I looked everywhere, no sump pump, but I also see zero sign of any water damage so um, and we had one huge rain right after we moved in and we had this one over the last week and yeah I'm happy with so far yeah. so knock on wood I've seen about a dozen friends Facebook I know. of basement the one, the worst one I saw was uh, friends were down in Florida saw motion in inside their house yeah and was like what's going on and the lightning was going just enough so that you could see movement Floating. and you realize that it's the uh, couch and chair floating Whoa. in circles no. imagine like, oh, imagine yeah. that gut feeling yeah, the ground just, floor uh, like not or their basement well I think it was a half and half sort of uh, like, like a walk out oh, like walk yeah. out sort of thing yeah. that it flooded in oh my but gosh. it was the security camera inside that you could see and I was like oh. so here's here's a new newer feeling for me is um, when all these storms hit, the first thing I thought of, I'm so glad I'm not an insurance agent anymore. <laughs> um, it really was. Um, because nothing ruins your weekend more than like dealing with your own stuff and then having just, you know, clients going through some of the worst stuff they've ever dealt with. Yeah. And, and you're trying to mitigate that. So Especially if you're on vacation right now out of country, which my agent is. is he? Yeah. It's, that happened to me my first year. We were actually in Lake Geneva on vacation. And bad storms. Um, rainstorm came and a lot of basements flooded and I'm in the lobby of the hotel in Lake Geneva working calling clients and yeah I don't miss that yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you had, did you have to go out and like adjust and inspect losses I wasn't adjusting I wasn't a claims person at all I didn't do much of that but I mean okay. I didn't know if any of that responsibility was on the agent with your structure our ultimate responsibility is to make sure the client's happy so if I had to go sure, out there you went out there yeah. you know um, I mean I put on boots and helped clean up before um, yeah so that kind of stuff but yeah just for the relationship Right, right. Yeah, you want to help people you know. Yeah. That's what I told, like, often uh, in my new role, I talk to new agents. I'm like, always keep jumper cables in your car because if they don't have, if they they said they didn't want roadside and then they call a week later and need it, you're going out there. (laughs) You are roadside. You are roadside now. Um, You want to keep that client. So, yeah, doing stuff like that. But, yeah, that's that's just funny that it's like a feeling of relief. I was like, oh, I'm not not thinking about that. That's actually pretty nice. It is a time when I'm, um, 
happy to work in insurance though that we can help people out in these times like <clears throat> same thing as when earlier this year when Texas was having all those issues and the fact that that's why we're there you know to come keep promises and take care of people yeah hope motivates me sometimes it feels like oh my gosh I work in insurance like <laughs> what am I doing you know yeah. but ultimately oh, yeah. we're trying to make promises and keep promises to people so uh we do need, the best we can. We need that, because like, you're right. It does get kind of gray. Especially when insurance. you're in the walls of corporate, right? right. You're like, what am I? I'm sitting behind a desk all day. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. But, uh, yeah, my sump pump runs pretty much constantly, even when it hasn't rained for a few weeks. I don't know what's going on with it, but my house, I think, maybe is, like, sunken down a little bit or something's wrong with it. But, uh, anyway. Well, you well, saw the back, back uh, Kinder's plate. I mean, it's lakefront property. It's yeah. 15 foot. Uh, so the yeah. joke was with a bunch of my realtor friends on Facebook the other day because they were still showing houses. And yeah, they're like, normally, like, normally this is not a lakefront property. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of lakefront property, those houses up in Lake Geneva. Oh, yeah. Incredible. This is something like every for every foot of lakefront you have it's worth forty thousand dollars insane so and geneva's a busy lake like uh, we, we went to lake geneva whatever six years ago or so and it's a pretty busy lake when it's nice out like lots of ski you know skis boats and stuff like that yeah when i went up to this wisconsin for work we were on lake delavan which is just basically up the road from lake geneva yeah um we were at lake lawn and it was a super nice first time i've been there it's a super nice lake still huge houses though um not quite as busy but we went on a boat tour, and the guy the guy pointed out he was explaining the different origins of the houses and who the original people were. And man, people just make some random stuff. One, one guy he made his fortune off of a new type of lid for milk containers. It's like, Better mousetraps. That was his. Uh, <laughs> that was his his route to victory. Yeah. I mean, even Wrigley, right? They they they, they made gum. Yeah. The, the gum was enough to buy these huge things. Yeah. And then he pointed out some birdhouses that were out there and said that these these birdhouses are actually only occupied by the top one half of the 1% of the bird population. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty clever. We went on the boat, though. They uh, they go around in the... It's a, it's a mail delivery boat, so the people um, jump, jump off on people's yeah. docks and go mm-hmm. stick the mail in their mailbox and run back and jump back on the boat again. So that was actually really fun. I've seen videos of that. Yeah. yeah. That looks cool. Yeah, it was good. I, yeah. So should we actually talk about something other than... <laughs> Yeah, we're good. So, uh, just having a conversation. Yeah. People listening in, like, what are they doing? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I will confess that after uh, after the elections, I just kind of took a detox on, on <laughs> national and, and local stuff. I've, I've been kind of following things every now and then, um, but don't really have any. In particular, the, things uh, I'm what, following. What were our predictions? And uh, I don't. Yeah, we'd have to look up those predictions and, <laughs> and see how, how wrong were, were they. Yeah, uh, I remember a few of mine. Whoa. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I, I one think of I my... said uh, normal uh, council only one incumbent would come back. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oops. I said one would not. I think. Well, and, and, I, I, and at the time, I was I was kind of looking at okay, what's turnout for which group going to be, and would it be McCarthy? And you know. Sure. In McCarthy, or would it be a Scott Preston, or would it, yeah, like I, different constituencies? I thought only one had a shot. I just thought it was very different. I mean, we talked about this last time, so I won't go into detail. I just thought it was, it, it was you, weird how normal voted for status quo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and, and Bloomington um, kind of did the same thing, right, with Maboka, and I, I don't know. It's just I think that's weird. That I, as a political junkie, like you think about what caused that, like what caused them to be like. This is how we're going to vote. Do you have our predictions? 
I don't have our predictions. Oh, okay. I but saw I you have, looking at something. I was like, did you write them down? No, I, I don't have our predictions, but I have the lessons that I wrote down the day after the election for myself that I'm going to reference in future elections. And one of them is don't make predictions yeah, because right. I don't have any. I, my predictions suck so bad. I always tell people that. My predictions yeah. suck too. Like people think because I pay attention that I can predict an election. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I thought Churchill was going to win big. Yeah. yeah. I, actually, that went about how I thought it would. The, yeah. the normal mayor one, I think I called okay. I thought Jackie was going to win in, in uh, Bloomington. Yeah, you were way off. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, not, that was not how it was. Yeah, that was yeah. way off. Um, yeah, the, the two things that should have led me to know that I shouldn't make predictions, these are national things. But when I was in college, somebody said, hey, I'm going to go drive down to Springfield. Barack Obama is announcing he's running for president. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, it's cold. He's not going to win. Like, I like him. I read his book. I think he's great. He's a great speaker. He's way too young. I don't know if the country's ready for a black president. I'm not going to go stand out in the cold in Springfield to watch that, but thank you for the offer. So that didn't work out. No. Then my other one was, could everyone please stop talking about Donald Trump? Like, he's totally just... It's I was just on a media that. sensation. Everyone just needs to ignore him. You're acting like he's a real candidate. He's not going to be the president. So I, after this, I, I make no, uh, I make no assertions about national politics. I should now do the same thing locally. I think the same humility. I think I think the nonpartisan races are much tougher to predict, in my opinion, um, because when you're talking partisan, you can at least use data from partisan elections, right? You can say, well, yes. so X number of Democrats live here. Uh, X number of Republicans live here. These are many registered voters. You can kind of do some math uh, with nonpartisan. I think it just blurs all those lines and makes it very, very difficult to, to yeah. do. I, my other lessons, we can talk about them one-on-one. It might be interesting. Uh, signs don't vote. I think I might have yeah. gotten that one from you, Justin. Yeah, but, uh, which, which I won't take all the credit. I think uh, Scott Black actually was the first person I heard say that. Yeah, um, it's been a long time. Yeah. I repeat it over and over again, and I feel like at the time, I feel insecure, like I'm just making excuses, right? Like, no, signs don't vote, signs don't vote. But It's hard when you're driving around and see a bunch. <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard not to be like, man. Um, Can create momentum, for sure. But. Of course, yeah. yeah. And, visib- and, and name recognition, if you, if, like, especially like a, a name like Maboka, yeah. um, right? Like, that stands out. Um, but yeah, because yeah, Scott Black told me that when he ran against... Um, Bernie, I can't remember Bernie's last name. He, Anderson. Uh, Bernie that, Anderson? Is that who, no, 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 no. Bernie was in Ward 1, I think, or Ward 1 area. Uh, Bernie is a financial guy. Uh, anyway, he ran against him, and, and Scott goes, the guy had 5 to 1 outdid me in signs. And he goes, and, I, and Scott easily won the election. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so I think signs maybe are an indication of whether someone's campaigning because that's another one of my lessons is campaigning matters i do think that people who get out there who try to engage with voters you make your case with the local elections a small enough population especially when it's nonpartisan, you can win people over to you oh i remember that nice person who stopped by my door to talk to me that's enough to get a vote sometimes for for something i don't follow so if you're campaigning, and because you're campaigning, you're getting more signs out, okay. But you could also just have someone who are just dishing signs out to people, and then they may or may not end up turning up on the day. Well, when you see those big uh, four by fours, you know it's by often Especially from one person. Signs. Yeah, right. One person owns twelve properties, and you see twelve big signs. Yeah. So, I think that was a really hard thing about the last one too, is the fact that people couldn't get out of campaign properly. Yeah. Uh, couldn't make their case because. Yeah, well, that might be challenge. part of the status quo reason, like you were That's saying. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And, and, and 
with Chris and Maboka just in the Merrill races, right? Like those are both recognizable names. Other, the others couldn't get out and get their name recognized as much. Now Tiratelli might be a he should have been known obviously from the previous election, but um, with uh, Jackie and Mike, they just couldn't campaign like normal. Mike yeah. tried with. I mean, Mike Mike set up the billboard game pretty hard. Like he he uh, traditional marketing he took advantage of. But yeah, it's to the disadvantage of people who are newer but are charismatic and good with people and I, I would again put I'd put Jackie in that camp too she's really good she's a good communicator she's personable and I think if she could have gone out and, and talked to some more people she could have done better the fact that everything's limited to Zoom and social media uh, it interferes with your ability to to, to make that case and, um, and that's also part of the reason the primaries are in January like incumbents aren't dumb Let's, let's have people, new people, walk in the middle of the winter to get their name out. Uh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. No, that's know, fair. I know that's a soapbox of yours, too, Justin, about changing those election dates. Yeah, I think it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, you increase voter turnout just by moving it to the proper date, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many people, you you both worked on campaigns, like, people don't even know there's an election going on that time of year. Because mm-hmm. usually they just, they just got done with a big, big election in November. So. Everybody's tired, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like election, holidays, oh, now i got to go vote again. Yeah. I also put social media is in reality, too. It's kind of the same thing as signs, but people who have a really nice, polished social media presence uh, have really active on there. There's a certain degree to which you're just preaching to the choir. Um, I think you got to be more purposeful on social media than what we've seen, right? You can't just make posts and, and get the uh, feedback from the people that follow you. You have to... As a, as a campaign, go out there and, and target the groups that you want to target. Um, and, and kind of guerrilla warfare style, like you can't just boost a post towards that. That helps, of course. But like, go out and comment and like on some of the groups and people that you want to start winning over. Um, and it takes work. And I think people just don't know how to do that work on social media yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. My last one was don't trust early results. <laughs> Burned by that hard. Wow. I'd already called it. I was like, "Wow! So what's a what's a council raise? What's a normal council with Bloom and Shine on it going to be like?" Oh wait, never mind. Nothing changed. Okay. So rumor <laughs> is he's running for the ninety first seat now. Oh, okay. um, so that new the new state district that new to us state district that got drawn in. So yeah, this will be if he does his fourth race in four election cycles. Is that accurate? I got a shrug from Jerry. <laughs> um, I tried. So, I tried to listen to his show. I I did not. I can't take the uh, the format is very hard for me, especially if you listen to it not on the radio because I think it's designed to like cue off of commercial breaks and stuff. And so it seems like it takes a really long time to get to a point. It's not designed to like just sit down and listen to it for an hour. It's designed right. to like pop in and out of on the radio. I tried to listen to the one when he had show based on soundbites. Huh? He had people on with. Uh, who were involved in all of the <clears throat> stuff going on at the school board. I wanted to listen to that a little bit. But yeah, because they need a voice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and speaking, uh, speaking of somebody who's been on the other side of a, uh, of a public hearing that was contentious, uh, do, I, I chaired the very end of the Planning Commission cannabis uh, meeting, and... I will say that I just saw the I saw the beginning of the Unit Five uh, board meeting, and the chair. I wish I remembered her name. Amy Roser. Yeah, she did an excellent job. She's very good. She was she was very much clear. Like the chair's got to control the meeting, right? 
chair sets the boundaries. Um, she was very clear, this is what we're gonna do. This is what's happening. We need to do it this way. This is what to expect. This is what's inbounds, out of bounds. We're going to operate in this way. I felt she did good. I, I agree. I thought felt she good. She had the benefit of knowing what was coming a little bit compared to the '87, right? Yeah. <laughs> like she saw, she saw the chaos that, that happened over there and was like, "All right, I'm going to have to be." Which, but I, I agree, knocked it out of the park as far as chairing goes. Yeah. yeah. I would say though, not a lot of minds changed by the uh, public comments in that. Never are. Yeah. That area. Never. So, yeah. Um, you, f- philosophical question for you guys public comment do you interpret that as being the public in that is it comment from the public to the to the commission or board or council mm-hmm. or is it comment from the speaker to the public yes. about the issue both of them yeah I, both. I, I think it checks both I think the, the the spirit of it though is to make sure that anyone that wants their elected officials to hear them has the opportunity to hear them. Address, address your government, give yeah. your grievance. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the spirit of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll say that I, I've spoken public comment twice, maybe. I could be off by one. Um, in the last eight, nine years, I spoke twice. And both sides, mine was to the public. I, if I'm going to speak to my elected officials, especially local, I'm just going to email them or call them, right? Like, right. that's going to be a better opportunity. Um, yeah. So what I'm doing is hopefully trying to get someone to hear me that switches their mind. But Yeah, or to help a group feel, supported. to represent a group in it, right? I, I appreciate when people do that. Like, I'm a member of a so-and-so group. We got together. We discussed this. We have this specific concern. We'll ask you to take that into account. Yep. Again, hopefully they would have advocated ahead of time. Um, and this would be sort of putting it on the public record that they have that position. The teachers' union feels this way. The, you know, the... People in Soccer, support of crabgrass, yeah. you know, like they they want to get in and you know, beekeepers, right? Yeah. <laughs> it still it still surprises me though the when people come speak at public comment, no matter what body they're speaking in front of, they, like yell at the elected officials, yeah, and, and believe that's the way they're going to change minds. Mm-hmm. Like I understand sometimes you just got to let off steam. I can appreciate that, but if your goal is to actually get something accomplished that you believe in is that like what is that doing by going there and, and screaming at public it officials it could be to create the sensationalism to get the media to pick up and say a very contentious and heated and this is what both sides said sure but that that book's even been played out yeah too I, much maybe now. that's maybe that's where my, my comment's coming from maybe it's just overplayed and someone that. someone told me something once um, I think it was Carlo actually Carlo Robustelli he pointed out to me that there it takes it takes two types of people to make anything successful in politics. It takes people who are trying to draw attention to something, and it takes people who like know how the system works in order to fix that thing. Sure. Yeah. And both sides tend to not respect each other very much. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the, the the behind the scenes folks are like, well, you guys are just all noise. We don't have any solutions. The activists are You're not doing enough. like. Yeah, you're you're not you're not aggressive enough. You just want incremental change, and we have to try to respect that there's both sides of those to make anything. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I've said something similar about uh, people on the extreme left um, that often anger me, but they also challenge me quite often to rethink the way I think things. So, yeah. um, I think you're right there. That's a good point. I've also heard about that of successful businesses <clears throat> kind of need to have two partners. You need to have one person who's the idea person and one person who's the I mean sorry one person who's got the technique one person who's got the marketing aspect of it and you can I heard a treatment I think it was a podcast or something went through a bunch of examples of that 
And uh, the one that sticks in my mind is the Phillips screwdriver. Because <clears throat> the person who designed the Phillips screwdriver was trying to pitch it to different places. And they were like, why would we design redesign all our equipment with this cross shape? It's ridiculous. It's expensive. We're not going to do it. But then uh, the marketing guy, Philip, came in and convinced everyone to buy it. And now it's the Phillips screwdriver. And we don't know who that guy is who actually designed the Phillips screwdriver. I think it was Mike Rowe's book, actually, the way I heard it. He had a lot of examples of, of places like that. So I always say you could have the greatest idea in the world, but people got to know about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I transfer that over to politics. You could have the perfect person for that office, but you got to get the word out. You got to have people know about them. So public comments probably more part of that raise awareness um, activists, not in the derogatory sense of things, but just sure. trying to bring attention to a problem versus if there's a complicated solution to a problem or a policy issue three minutes in a public comment is not enough to explain. You're not going to be up like, so if you go to, if you go to page 12 in your packet, subsection 3, you're going to want to put like a new subsection in there and move that clause over and add an and, and that's what you're going to want to do, guys. Like, yeah. no one wants a public comment like that. But, um, I mean, they definitely succeeded uh, from the school district side of raising a lot of awareness to what people consider to be an issue here with it. Um, but, I'm not sure what the goal is because it doesn't seem aligned with the reality of what's no, occurring. Was Diane Wolf from District 87 said, no matter how many times you say it, it doesn't make it true, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. From what I understand, there's just... The, the, what they're saying is going on is not actually what's going on, so there's nothing to fix. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like telling us right now to fix the drought problem. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, change the subject real quick. You, yeah, what's up? So you mentioned planning commission. I was going to ask you about this because you had a Facebook rant or, or whatever about. It's just, it's and you, just a and post. I know. I, <laughs> I try to create controversy. <laughs> but no. um, but, and were you guys on opposite sides of this issue? I was the only okay, yeah, the yeah. only vote. So uh, well, everyone was on. I the get to moderate side. this fight. Then no. Okay. Um, <laughs> so so the issue was essentially that there's a standard for parking and there's an upper limit and a lower limit and they. What was Chick Fil A or Panda uh, Express? Panda Express wanted to put in parking lot with more parking spots, and you were saying like, "Hey, basically, we created a standard. Let's stick to it. Consistency." But yeah. everybody else kind of went, "No, nope, we'll go ahead and allow the variance." Yeah, and I mean, um, yes. So you set that pretty well up. Our, our code that we just recently adopted said you could have 48 spaces, and there's a 25% increase that they could have went with, uh, which would have got it to 65. Make sure I got my number or 60. 60. Make sure I got my numbers right. Um, and they wanted 65, and staff actually said, "Okay, you just got to do a parking study to prove that you need those extra five, and, and take that." And what I, where I failed as a planning commissioner, I was not expecting a motion to say, "No, just go ahead and do it." And I certainly wasn't expecting, even if there was a motion, to lose that. Um, so I did really didn't. I was just unprepared for that kind of thing to happen. And that's why I, usually I can force a better argument on the fly. And I just couldn't. I was I was a little bit in shock during the meeting, so I was I couldn't force my argument. But then after I lost that, uh, which I was the only one that voted to actually have them do that, I had rushed to my daughter's softball game and I'm coaching. And the whole time I'm coaching, I'm thinking about the planning committee. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> and I was. It was just gear. And then after the after the game, uh, we went with a couple families to Gill Street to eat dinner. And I'm, I was actually at Gill Street and I opened up the notes part on my phone and I'm start typing that <laughs> just because that's what I do. I write when I get stuff in my head. Uh-huh. And I and, and yeah. I, I I was just um, I tried to re- write a respectful post as best as I as best as I could while still showing my my um, you know 
disagreement and, with and the I rest thought, of the commission. And I thought that was good. It, it was informative. I mean, I didn't know what the issue was, and I read your post. I was like, oh, okay. But the gist of yours was basically, hey, we created this standard like a year ago. Yeah. Let's stick to it to create consistency, right? Yeah, that was the, that was the essence of it. Um, the other, if I could make a sub point to that, is I just truly don't believe a drive-through restaurant needs 60, 65 spaces. Um, that was the other part that I just was dumbfounded by. <laughs> I was like, why do you need this big a parking lot? Um, I mean, I, and it's after the fact, of course. Like again, I didn't have this information during the planning meeting, but counting parking spaces of everywhere else on Market Street, it was at 50, and I was like, around 50, give or take a few. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is just ridiculous. Well, like somebody made a good point about Chick Fil A, you know. The- probably busiest drive-through ever and, and they don't have a ton of spaces right? no right they don't have a ton of spaces and, and this this uh, Panda Express if I remember this number right had a 15 car stall for a drive-through too so on top of the 65 cars they can now have in their parking lot 15 in the drive-through that is going to be the reward like Panda Express of the world right like and, and there's an argument for bus parking and that stuff because it's off the interstate and I get all that but again Taco Bell on Market Street uh, Subway on Market Street all these McDonald's on Market Street one of the bigger lots because the uh, bus station used to be behind there, but even they don't have that many spaces. So, so, that, so that's where that's where my mind so Tyson, why'd you go yeah. flip side? What was your thinking? Yeah, so I mean, uh, area of agreement with we have a couple of things I agree with you with Justin. Uh, one, I was really surprised it went that way too. So I was chairing the meeting for people who don't follow planning commission really closely, what? which I know is a I know is a <laughs> vast majority who are of those three people. So all of you, I know it's a vast minority of our listeners. Um, I'm the I'm the chair of the planning commission now. Justin's the vice chair. Congratulations, by the way. You too. Um, so I was chairing the meeting, so I wasn't going to make a motion. I thought that. What, what was going to be required of the petitioner, that's what we call the, the owner of the property, was that they did a, a traffic... It said in the materials a traffic study. It did. That was incorrect, right? I really don't recommend watching this meeting because it was brutal. It sounds riveting. Like, procedurally. <laughs> that most of the planning commissions yeah, right. get yeah. your popcorn out. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it said that it was going to require a traffic study in order to justify the additional parking. So... I was kind of skeptical that a traffic study was going to help at all to resolve the issue. It seemed like a additional expense that the person was going to incur, and I wasn't sure what was really going to be done with it. But I wasn't planning on making a motion. I was just going to ask a question about it, a few questions of, like, what's the cost, who pays for it, what happens, what do those things look like when they come back, and what would the city do with them, so, so we understood. So... One of the other commissioners made the motion and brought it up. I was really surprised that it went the way it did, too. Um, I didn't feel super strongly, and as anyone who knows me knows, I'm not a big fan of a lot of parking spaces. It's a it's a waste. Of, my, my biggest reason why I'm not a fan of parking spaces is it doesn't generate economic activity and income. It's just wasted space. So and relevant today, it takes away from uh, drainage. Oh. <laughs> just say it. Yeah. That's it. I... That is a point too about the <laughs> environmental aspect of it. But primarily, it's if you don't if you have parking spaces there, when someone's not parking in them, they're not doing anything. It's just it's an expense to pave it, but it doesn't add any real. It doesn't add any revenue. Think about all the spots that Coles have that just sit out there. There's nothing going on in those spots other than having to remove snow every now and then and having to repave them, pave them occasionally. So. So I don't like more parking either. The reason I voted for it is that space is so constrained in there. If they didn't do parking, I don't know what they would have done with it. It would have been grass, probably. 
in there. It's not like you could build another building in there. It's all just like sandwiched in this spot. It's bounded by a ditch, another restaurant, residential, a road. And so, like, okay, so we could tell them to take out five spots, and then they just would have something else there. They were talking about just still having it be paved, but just having it be a place for buses to park. And so it's kind of just like a lost cause. And if it was a place where they were building completely new, they're just taking an area, they're carving it up, I, I definitely think holding the line on that would be would be appropriate. On this one, it just kind of seemed like extra cost without a whole lot of benefit to me. And it, it was an infill. It's not like, you know, it's downtown or something. It's already paved, yeah. So that's eventually why I voted for it. I think you have a great point, though. If we're going to set up standards and then not hold them, then, like, what are we doing? So I didn't I didn't fault you for making that Which argument. is what my co- like, I, I even made that comment. I, someone down in the thread, someone said, well, it's only five spaces. I'm like, yes, which I'm sure is why majority of people voted yes. Like, I, I understand that. Like, I understand at the end of the day, these five spaces get or take isn't going to make a big difference but it's the precedent that, that killed me and being so so recent since we adopted that giving what i would consider a pretty uh lenient 25 percent increase over what we think is a standard without any justification behind it all say we can g- we'll give you 25 percent more than what we think you need without having to do anything and then when they come back and ask for more we say okay but i mean we've already given you 25 percent. so can you do a parking study please and so maybe saying that, so maybe like, saying only five is not the right framing of it. Maybe it's only, maybe it was twenty five or I can't remember what the actual minimum stated was before the twenty five percent was at forty eight. Forty eight so to sixty. It'd be yeah. Which in, in, by my counting of some of those other places along market, most of them were around fifty. So that forty eight makes a lot of sense. They think they need a little more. They can go up to sixty, and then it's just like, well, what are we doing here? And, and, and I'm going to get fired up a little bit, but because that's what I fear, right? Is now sometime when it's going to be ridiculous for someone to increase it more, they're going to say, well, you guys did it for Panda Express. What's a Panda Express need sixty five parking spaces for? Like, there's never more than five cars there. Uh-huh. So and what I, are we going to say? From the outsider viewpoint, not knowing this, I actually was surprised that there was an upper limit. I mean, you know, I was here about the lower limit. You know, you have to have so many spots, and which is what we did forcing it, we, but. We, Coding. Yeah, but not government being like, no, 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 you want this, you can't do it. I, that's the first time I've heard of that. Maybe I'm just not. No, you're right. Aware or too. I think in. it was the first one. I, I was the first very, one we've had. I was very surprised by that. that. Which is yeah. why also I made kind of a bigger deal about it because it's the first time since we redid the zoning code that talked more parking parking maximums and parking minimums. Yeah. That I felt like because it was the first one, it was even more important that we say, "Hey guys, we just did this." And and. I mean, my sub point is not to be lost either. It's a Panda Express with a drive-through with sixty-four parking spaces. Like, yeah. like that's ridiculous. I don't. And that guy can the architect that was on there for the petitioner. You don't like. You're gonna have three employees there max, maybe four. <laughs> and yeah. when's I mean, I've been to the Panda Express once in normal. There was like four people in there. Their parking lot is not sixty-five parking spaces, and they share it with somebody else. Right? Like, if, just, I, if I could, if I could have taken the spaces. If I could have taken the location and envisioned anything else useful that would have been done other than parking there... I would have said green space is better. Green space? That would be my other... If, if I was thinking more on my feet during the commission meeting, and I was I was more up to make a, make a debate there, mm-hmm. and that got brought to me, I said, well, the point of that is to, yes, tax generating land better. Second best reason is green space. I don't care if it's a, a, a median with mulch and tree in it. Like, it still improves the aesthetics. Yeah. Especially along Market Street where it's just a big pavement and truck thing, right? Like, a tree makes a big difference in, in the aesthetics mm-hmm. there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I lost. And that's why I felt, that's why it ate at me for three hours after the meeting is because I lost. <laughs> um, and 
I, I recognize that I went in there just I just I don't, I don't know if I'll say I'm not prepared because I, I read the packet I'm prepared I just didn't see that coming and I, I wasn't prepared didn't to make, anticipate yeah, that conversation. I, I, I didn't make that. I wasn't yeah. prepared to make an argument to agree with staff and yeah. agree with our code. <laughs> <laughs> I've usually been on the other side of that where I'm wanting to argue for less development uh, and less parking. And so I just assumed it, that was the way it was going to go. This was the first meeting I had chaired fully as chair, and I wasn't sure the degree to which I could, like, nudge that to be a motion one way or the other so I was my focus wasn't on that issue as much as just like chairing the meeting effectively yeah um so again I was surprised that so many people went for that way too I I thought I would go the other the other two points that were on my mind on it just to flush it out a little bit more usually I'm skeptical of parking minimums because I think people can park other places especially in residential areas we have this idea here that people should never park on the street and I think that that's a privileged, uh, yeah. privileged position to have. You're used to these houses that are, um, what's the word, um, not supplemented. Like taking, mo- taking money from one place and giving it to another, another place. Supplement. The, the cost of the houses and the property are being supplemented by other areas of town. And so subsidized. We're used to, subsidized, oh, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. word I was thinking. Yeah. Um, in a kind of a roundabout way, but... You don't need to have multiple off-site parking spots. People can park on the street, and it's actually safer for people to park on the street because if cars veer off, as they do, then they don't run into houses, they don't run into people on the sidewalks, they run into other cars. It helps with human life. I think we need to kind of work towards that. There was no opportunity for off-street parking in this particular location, so that was one thing that kind of was a little bit... But doesn't that counter... Because I've heard you make this this before, uh, the space at Empire Crossing where Dix and uh, Five Below is, that they have that parking lot for what could possibly be their busiest day ever instead of what's more common. And they don't have any availability for off-street parking there either. So it's instead of building for like, hey, if we give everything away for free, we're going to fill the space up, let's build for like our average day plus 5%. Yeah. (laughs) And, 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 yeah. And the other other point is is, is to that is like, how do you determine what you think that busiest day is going to be? I, one of the reasons I don't like parking minimums is because I think they're arbitrary and not scientific. They're, they're based on averages of what other communities do, and there's averages of averages. And um, So I don't have a lot of faith in our parking minimums. So in the parking maximum based on that, I don't have a lot of faith in. And then if they have to go out and do a parking study, from how I understand it, it's just like another way of calculating the similarly, like tabularly. So I think it's probably too many spaces. I agree with you. Here's what I would have found interesting. And I bet this is how it would go. I bet if we would have stuck with the original staff recommendation and said you have to do a parking study, I bet they'd say, all right, 60 is good, because they wouldn't have paid for that parking study. And that tells me that 60 is probably fine, right? I mean, because I think I, that's why we put it on them is because, hey, how bad do you want this? Because you're already going 25% over. Well, I was really surprised that they didn't just do that to begin with. Why they were, like, going, like... Well, it it, it could be spots. their chain restaurant, national restaurant, and they have some standard, some book that says you need 65 spots because yeah. the averages in each community are... But, I mean, we we have evidence after evidence that says developers can't calculate how many parking they need because they always build it way too big, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just... And some of that's our government fault of telling them they need so many spaces when they don't. So, I mean, it's a... Yeah. But now we're not doing that. So, we need well, to we'll go uh, to. We'll go see when it opens because, you know, uh, every time a I'm taking a restaurant Uber. Opens, you're going to be out there with cameras. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll go check it out and see. No, I thought you. I, th- I, I thought you made fair points. Um, no. I wouldn't have been heartbroken if it went the other way either. I, I was just like I said. Uh, I'm, I'm a competitive person first and foremost. So when I lo- <laughs> when I lose when I lose something, I, I put extra thought into it yeah. on what I could have done differently. I didn't uh, mean mean make this a 20 minute uh, I, well, side rant. But well, you brought up planning to Tyson and I. I don't know what you think's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's only two of us, so I don't think it's an OMA violation for no, us to be doing no, this. No, yeah, time. that's a good yeah. point. So not, I think but, it illustrates a lot of different issues and considerations. Um, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have lobbied one way or the other on this particular one. Whereas I think when there's other developments that come in, I think you and I are going to be in lockstep of. Uh, and I think yeah, that's it. Like I just thought this was an easy one. I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was like a slam dunk to be like, hey, we did this. Let's stick to it. Yeah. Um, I never but, got a dollar amount that a parking study would cost to. Well, I don't know what, if that should enter into it, but it, it does seem. From what staff was kind of talking about, it depends on what organization they go with to do the parking study. It could vary probably yeah. pretty widely because ours doesn't. Ours yeah. don't mandate they have to go through one, right? Yeah. The so, thing I'm most worried about is that, um, like, with Rivian heating up, with the housing market being like it is, I'm worried there's going to start to be more of these, um, like, to the things that we put a stop to after. Sprawl and, and that kind of thing. Sprawl, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that the early stuff that we learned in the mid-2000s isn't a good idea if that's going to start creeping its way back in. Um, I think it will if we let it. And I think that's why it's important we don't let it. Um, I mean, we have the comprehensive plan that hopefully, you know, they kind of bounce every idea off of and every plan off of. And they talk, but you and I have talked off off record about definition of infill (laughs) and how that can be very different. That'll be a key conversation to have in the future, especially since I mean, Renner ran on that of trying to kind of. That was part of his platform initially. I I wasn't paying attention as much time, but I understand that was one of the things he tried to change was the degree to which uh, power development pattern worked and the the power that developers had in in the in the uh, environment here. So we got a new mayor now, got a new environment. Yeah. I've just heard from so many people and a lot of new council. Sorry, a lot of new council there too. Yeah, so, yeah, for yeah. sure. Jamie Matthews, the most. I know. I saw he got right? mayor pro tem. Like, is that yeah, true? That I'm like, yeah, yeah. He is he? He is the yeah. most senior now. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it'll be. Uh, I agree with you. Goes, I think yeah. I think if, if we let it, it could certainly get that way because developers are going to want to get their their money, right? Which I mean, rightfully so. And so if if they can find an opportunity to build and sell something, they're going to do it. We just need to make sure they're doing it in accordance with our the way we want to plan our city. I've just heard from people buying and selling houses around here how crazy it is. Like, Unless you have to buy a house right now, why are you buying a house? Like, you're overpaying 10, 20, 30% for a house. Yeah. I mean, some people are in a situation they have to, and that's fair, but goodness gracious. Like, <laughs> I got uh, some people who know what's going on in Phoenix right now because we got State Farm people out there. They say it's just nuts. It's everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I, I was at an event. It's probably been three weeks ago now where Patrick Hoban uh, was speaking. Um, and he, like he was talking about Rivian and, and finding people to come work for Rivian, but they can't find a place to live. And just how it's a, you know, it's kind of a secular thing where um, we got to find, he's like, we, it's hard to recruit when we have nowhere for him to stay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you hope that Rivian keeps ramping up as these apartment buildings, condos and homes are being built um, yeah. to help supply some of that. But, 
Yeah. It'd be interesting to get someone um, that's been in real estate for a while. I mean, there's. Yeah. I've always hesitated to get a realtor on because I don't want it to turn into a commercial. <laughs> um, but I think we could probably pick out a good one that, that could actually talk about market situations more than um, doing yeah. that. So that'd be interesting to see what they're going through right now. Because, I mean, I know my realtor friends are just crazy. <laughs> I just refinanced. Um, take advantage of lower interest rates sure and uh what my house came through as being appraised as was pretty shocking to me yeah um, especially since they just went off of they didn't do an actual appraisal and survey of the house they just went off of like values in the area oh wow that's and, probably benefit well, you and so uh it um we've also made some improvements to the home and invested in it and sure. added on to it too so it's not even taking into account those types of things so it's uh yeah i mean it, it's kind of arbitrary right now because we're not we're not selling our home, sure. so it's not like I get that money or something. But when I saw the number on the page, I was like, "But, but cool. people could cash out like on refinances right now, right? They could take some of that equity and back in cash. Yeah. And if they're doing that, and then this isn't sustainable, like how's that look for the loan? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a weird time for yeah. with the housing market for sure. It's scary just because of what we went through in 08. Like everybody, yeah. it's not the same thing. So I don't want to like put that fear out there. But I think everybody that's lived through it is like questioning everything. It's like, is this real? Is this sustainable? Are we going to be getting ourselves in trouble? Yeah. Um, that's why it'd be interesting to get someone uh, from real estate on. Hey, Jeremy, can I pivot over real quick? Uh, what's been going on with soccer lately? How's the how's your uh, how's your complex doing? That's built now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, no, there's there's a lot going on, and we got a lot of stuff happening still. But um, we did announce to our club probably. Well, first of all, our clubs had some changes. Uh, we had a new sporting director, so new head person that came in January first. Name your club. So. Well, it's now FC Central Illinois. It was Illinois Fire Juniors. Oh, it's changed name. So we've we've changed. Yeah, we've had a lot of changes. Um, so yeah, FC Central Illinois. Here in the last month, we uh, we changed. So we're no longer affiliated with Chicago Fire. Okay. Going our own direction. Uh, we did announce an affiliation with uh, Chicago uh, with um, Eclipse, which is a huge club up in Chicagoland. Uh, they play an ECNL league, which is the top girls league. So we now have access to like the number one. Thank you. We have access to like the top. Um, girls league soccer which is really really cool because we have very strong girls teams down sure there. yeah um, but we we got our new sporting director Mike Matkovich is uh, he was the former U.S. men's national team 18 head coach yeah he's coached at four MLS clubs um, so this isn't just like somebody, right. it, it's somebody knows what they're doing and we're tons of restructure but to your point on the fields um, we did I announce realized I should record this just uh yeah, come on out to Little Beaver. That makes you thirsty. There you go. What kind of my advertising? I did spill. I did spill that. You all spilled over it all over, and that's beer. Or that's uh, soda, on the not audio. beer. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it! I try as hard as I can. But uh, yeah, we we announced uh, a month ago that um, we are not going to have our location at uh, Tawanda and uh, Rab Road, the big the big complex area that we announced. Um, we got into it, and you know you do soil stuff and all that and unfortunately we found out uh, the spot where we need to put a retention pond in there which is like 7 acres that's a huge one right, right. Um, 20 foot of sand so as my dad who's in construction said basically go down the Illinois River with your backhoe and start digging and that's what it's going to be like for a 7 acre and, and you'd have to build a concrete bathtub yeah. or just millions and millions of dollars in it. we tried to look different ways to configure it but you have to have a yeah retention pond there and for that site so um we're very very close on another site and, and 
other options, but it's been kind of a flex. Yeah. Flex and pit. And, and then and we're in the midst of COVID, right? I think we announced like the, the month after or something that we're publicly where we're at and we're doing our fundraising. And so we've, we've dealt with some gut punches, but. And is there a deadline on the airport fields? Yeah, so we actually are going to them right now, telling them what our plans are. Um, our lease right now goes to the end of this year. Okay. And by our lease, we have one more one-year um, option or, or lease sure. that we could do. So we're asking for it. There are some pieces we have to do, but obviously COVID has changed a few things there. Yeah. And I, I think we got a really good plan. Um, again, I wish it was like three weeks out. So we had. I, I expect that we'll have some announcements and stuff, but we're right. doing some legal yeah. stuff right now. There's just been so many changes on her. And just to, I always just want to check in just to correct the misinformation. Not publicly funded, not taxpayer funded, not subsidized. Entirely entirely private, yep. So I I don't know if you guys, you might have been aware because you follow the sports complex stuff, but Springfield just announced a sports complex. That's that's been going for probably a year or two. They've been trying. And they just raised the taxes to be able to fund it. Um, So they are getting a a sports complex. And I only bring that up because before. Your guys' project, uh, Dwarfed Town, being privately funded, um, there's a lot of talk about getting Bloomington Normal a large sports complex with indoor stuff and uh, concession stands and all that, all, the whole thing, and, and how we would fund that. And um, they had talked about that time at having to kind of race to beat Springfield and some of these other surrounding communities uh, so that we can attract people to us and, and it looks like Springfield's beating us at least on the large well, yeah, there's, sports complex. There's 40, 50 million or something yeah, and it's yeah. with Shields down there and, and one of our another soccer club, Sasa. Down yeah. So it's it's a huge one but um, Rantoul, the thriving metropolis of <laughs> Rantoul has already beat us to this. I don't know if you're aware they got no. an eight, uh, eight field turf complex over wow. there. Um, they, they're, I want to say, ten to fifteen million they put in, wow. community funded, um, and it's not just theoretical. Our tournament that is normally here in Bloomington Normal is going to be in Rantoul on Memorial Day and Labor Day now, because guaranteed fields, turf, it's turnkey, it's brand new, and, and they approached us from the beginning. We're like, sure. no, we're not going to go forty-five minutes, but we're not sure we have fields and. And now you're and splitting. Our tournament is is leaving Bloomington Normal. Yeah, and so I'm guessing that's attracted outside people to come to this tournament, right? Well, 160 teams. <laughs> so, 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 and yeah. being in Rantoul, they're probably not all going to stay in Bloomington Normal, right? They're, Hardly any. They'll, they'll go to Champagne. Champagne. And, and in fact, we talked to them about hotels, and they were like, "Well, we don't really have hotels here yet." Yeah, and, well, and we're all like, "Yeah, of course you're you're going to have them." So they'll be going to Champagne. They're doing stay and play. Yeah, and it's down there, not Bloomington Normal. And right. and I had some people ask me like, "Hey, why are you doing that?" I'm like, "Man, I want to keep the tournament." Sure. here, but it's not a, if you build it, they will come. It's a, we didn't build it and we left. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate. Um, that's, uh, hey, Chad, you want to talk? Uh, yeah, what I heard about, I didn't know that about Rantoul. That's really interesting. I mean, such a small community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when I heard Springfield, and, and I wasn't hugely an advocate of building a sports complex here or, or not, I, I just wanted more information. But when I heard Springfield pass the, the tax increase to, to build that were there's in partnering with Shields, and, uh, yep. I thought there's probably a, some missed opportunity there. But from a soccer standpoint, from your club standpoint, it's nice that you have a place in Springfield and Rantoul. It's not that far away. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, you're yeah. not driving to Chicago or like that yeah so i guess that's good but uh unfortunately not driving hotel and restaurant and getting all that revenue here in bloomington normal and, and bloomington normal is better situated than both rantoul and springfield for that with that's all the true. interstates we have the infrastructure we have the hotels we have the restaurants 
Yeah. It's, it's sad. Well, I mean, and we can it's see... A, it's a missed opportunity. We can see some of the benefit of just youth sports with champion fields and softball and, yeah. and baseball and youth baseball, right? Like, it's... Um, right now, this time of year, all those fields are getting used. Um, it's a huge... They have, what, two concession stands, I think, there that are, that are bringing people in. The parking lot... I mean, my daughter plays out there, and the parking lot's always full. Uh, they need a bigger parking lot. But yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about less parking. <laughs> they need a bigger I was going to make a joke. How about instead of a retention basin, you're making more parking? All right. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, right. What are the parking maximums on it? And, and we and we still want to build to that, right? But uh, you want to, but my bank account's only so big. Yeah, and we can of we can only do so much. So we'll we're looking at the future. We're looking what can we do for what we need to manage now, but what can we expand? Where can we go so we can get there eventually? But it's going to be an incremental. Yeah, sort of thing. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we just uh, there's there's no question we missed out on some opportunity. Yeah. How big that opportunity is to recover costs, we'll we'll watch Springfield or Antool and see how they do it. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you know we spend fifty million dollars. The study said that you spend fifty million dollars, you're not going to make fifty million dollars. It, right. it, it's not feasible. This community was so burned by the Coliseum, and it's not the exact analogy, right? But I think that just leads to a lot of memories and gun shyness around that type of concept of construction yeah. here. And it's uh, such a that's such a different business model. I, I'll get on my soapbox. I mean, that's, sure, yeah, go that's for the rant, but it's it's you know, arena is you come and watch, and that's what's driving it. Uh, youth sports are. The people that are watching are the ones that drove the cars with the kids that are staying there. So it's it's totally different. I mean, you have 160 teams come in times 10, 15 kids a team times those parents times this family. I mean, they're all coming here. It's a captive audience versus an arena is, okay, you got a basketball team. Let's hope a 1,000 people show up and watch them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, have you or anyone in the organization like took temperature of the new Bloomington Council? Uh, I mean, obviously, normals hasn't changed, so that's why I'm not bringing them up. But the Bloomington Council on honestly, not. I mean, yes and no. We're trying to do this privately, we're, yeah. and we got enough on our plate that we're sure. we're focusing on that. Um, so I I haven't. I mean, when I talked to both city managers, Gleason Tim Gleason, when I talked to him on this, he was like, "So what's the ask?" And I'm like, "I don't have an ask." Just letting you know what we're doing. Yeah, and it was kind of whoa. So <laughs> that's probably new, right? right. <laughs> this but, is different. But that's you know that's that's the approach we're trying to take. No, that's not to say there wouldn't be an ask or there couldn't be you know. Yeah. Hey, hey, does this make sense? Can we help you know whatever? But um, yeah, we're we're trying to kind of focus on what can we do. Yeah. Interesting. How's uh, how's participation been? Like team membership and stuff. You guys doing good? Yeah. We with COVID. I mean, I think we were down a hundred to two hundred. I mean, we're, mind you, we're somewhere between the 1,500 and 2,000 kids uh, over any given year. But um, I think with COVID, we were down 100, 200, 150 uh, kids overall. But most of those, as we learned, were kind of more, you know, parents going like, ah, I don't know about this. I'll keep keep people home, keep people back. We're actually up numbers. Uh, we just had our tryouts this last month. Cool. Um, and, and you you go factoring in the eclipse, the, you know, all these other things we're talking about, we're, we're up numbers. We're up players. Yeah. That's good. Because our buddy, Matt. especially at the younger ages too, uh, we're way up feeding in the, like that. five, six, seven. Yeah. Okay. Is our buddy Matt still uh, being treasurer for us? Oh yeah, absolutely. He didn't. He, he didn't good. quit, huh? No. I thought he was pretty close when his daughter was born. I, was, I, thought, I don't know how he does it, but yeah, he puts a like, ton of time in. It was like during COVID, new job, new Fourth baby, kid. being audited. It's like, man, you really committed. Impressed. Yeah. So, shout out to Matt. That's my second Matt that I've shouted out. It's a good, it's a, it's a Matt heavy podcast here. Uh, well, cool. Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm not glad to hear that you ran into those problems because that must have been just devastating to find out about. It was tough. Yeah. 
keep moving on, yep. keep doing stuff. Right? So. I'm on the board of the um, visitors, Vincent Visitors Bureau, and when that our last meeting is when we learned that it fell through, and yep. the disappointment was there. I mean, just yep. sad that it wasn't going to be able to move forward. So what else you guys been thinking about? What's been on your mind? Any good book recommendations, movie recommendations, TV shows? You know, my daughter's playing softball right now. That's my life. Um, (laughs) I was on vacation, and I read my first fiction book uh, for probably about three to four years. I'm a nonfiction reader. I'm the same way. Um, Nonfiction only. But I thought I was going on vacation. I was going to grab me a a fiction book to read on the beach, and and it was really good, and I actually got home and ordered the second. Uh, What was was it? Um, Let me get the title, because I'm I'm (laughs) terrible at remembering (laughs) authors and titles. You are. This is Tread, does it? No, I'm going to be. I'm always like that. Well, you're Um, fine. I got it. I got it. The Terminal List by Jack Carr. Okay. Uh, guy's a Navy SEAL. The author is actually a former Navy SEAL. Um, so he wrote a book, and it's an awesome book about revenge. Uh, from, and the book, uh, main character is a uh, Navy SEAL. And totally a great great fiction, and I, I ordered the second part of the series as soon as I got home. I haven't read that one yet. But. Okay. I, uh, I, too, on vacation, took a book, and it's been a while because I've been a little too busy with stuff. I actually had my wife, like, third day. That's how I knew I relaxed. Yeah. So it's just, oh, okay, I'm going to read a book for a little bit. Yeah. But um, cast. It's a, a nonfiction book, and it's basically it's kind of cool, cool concept. Um, some parts really open your mind. You're thinking. Other parts, you're like, eh, you know. But, yeah. And this is like social cast, not like a broken arm. Yeah. Cast. So it's it's talking about the, the concept. <laughs> now he's testing it out with this <laughs> with my knee. Right. <laughs> For those that don't have video, I'm a little uh, bum knee guy right now. So you read the book. But I'll try this cast <laughs> thing out. Um, I've been hearing about these for years. <laughs> Finally figure I might give it a shot, see what all the hubbub is about. But the, the whole concept of the book is uh, talks about basically slavery in America and then compares it to the caste systems of like India, um, you know, has its, its standard uh, Nazi Germany uh, references, but mm-hmm. act- actually goes through and says like over human society, here's different caste systems, um, India being the most commonly recognized one and here's the differences and here's the laws and here's the and then says and here's how it has happened in America and and it's I mean going into we talked off here before like the you know mulatto laws or the one drop of blood in your African American that was actually like codified in the United States and and just kind of really interesting really makes you think makes you look stuff different is it focusing on the the legal aspect of it or the cultural aspect of it or both? All the above. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's going through like 500 years ago. Here's, here's, and the beginnings of the country and here's not only constitutionally and state laws, but then culturally, this was okay. This was not goes Jim Crow laws goes to today. So yeah, sounds good. I like books like that. Yeah, it's something I've been thinking a lot about myself is uh, my dad's almost 80 and uh, thinking about how much stuff has changed during his life and how far he's come. Um, And his when he was born, his house didn't have indoor plumbing. So he's definitely working class family. First person in his family to go to college. My mom was the same way. She's first person in her family to go to college. And um, they've talked to me about how as they raised up their station, uh, they they were comfortable being middle class and like somewhat upper middle class, but they would get into situations where they just started to get uncomfortable. Like if you check into a really fancy hotel, you just don't really know: am I supposed to tip this person or not? Like yeah. who, how much? How should I give them five dollars? Should I give them ten? Like what's going on here? You know? 
being in the back seat of a car with a driver. Like, there's just certain things you run up against where you're like, this wasn't part of my upbringing, and I can only progress so far up into the social class before I hit barriers. And so then now, me being born, I was born middle class. I was born in a college education household. Now I'm like kind of on that. Now you're used to tipping level. your driver everywhere. I just I just tip everyone <laughs> yeah. I I just from the back seat. I just basically <laughs> tip everyone I meet. Like I just when I say hi, I just give them money. And so, that's one thing I still don't understand. I I, I uh, friends that want to hang out with you for free. Yeah, I just <laughs> I don't get it. I appreciate you guys showing up. By the way, um, no, I stayed in the Broadmoor in Colorado one time and. I just had no clue. I just was throwing, literally just giving money to everybody. Like, I had no idea. I still haven't quite got you that one. Like, I'm just a guest, man. Like, I don't know, but you look good in that suit. Here's, here's some money. But I, I joke, but there's, I mean, it's just one example of, like, it, it, there's, there's limits to how far people can go. There's that new money aspect type of thing. There's just rules about existing in certain social castes or social classes that, you um, you can only like pick up and authentically do when you're there, and then and then when you go back, like when my parents go back to where they were from, then it's kind of awkward. It's like, oh, well, you guys left, you're too good for us. And no one would ever say that kind of thing, but there's sort of like a subtext of it, right? And, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's way. Um like old friends and new friends I think can kind of be the same way like if you go see a friend that you haven't seen for 10 15 years it's like you maybe you used to hang out every day with that person and now it just seems so different because you've went different paths right maybe like one's more successful than the other or one different you know blue collar versus white collar job however you want to family make or that not divide. Or, yeah yeah it's just yeah. it can be it's weird to go back I think sometimes and we had a lot of conversations about that kind of stuff and when we were in Lake Geneva my kids were like, how does someone become rich, Dad? Like, what, how much money do you have to make to be rich? And what does rich mean? And um, a lot of really interesting conversations to work through with them. And, um, but then you hear about people who are very successful, like the Gates family, talking about their struggles with their kids of how do you motivate the next generation to actually work. Can you imagine that? Things. Yeah, that would be a, a challenge. We, like, got to be difficult for us to wrap our minds around, right? Like, if you're one of the top richest people on the planet how do yeah. you like instill values in your kids that don't make them spoiled and you know that's got to be a tough challenge i'm thinking of that clip i sent I, some facebook thing that i saw i sent to tyson that uh some shake in middle east you know rich said something like my grandfather or great-grandfather rode a camel his son rode a camel his son wrote, or, you know, drove a Chevy or whatever, and then Mercedes, and then ran, Range Rover, Land, or Land Rover, whatever. I'm yeah. totally messing up my cars and killing my street cred here. But, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he says, then my kids will drive a Land Rover, their kids will drive a Mercedes, their kids will drive a Camel. Yeah. And he said, because great, what was it, hard times make great men, great men make times better, and basically you work your way up, and then it gets too easy. Yeah. And then it's things just collapse because people don't appreciate it, don't work for it, don't work for democracy, don't work. Yeah. And, well, you and it was it was one of those. Oh wow. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and he said like nine generations. You know, a two hundred fifty thing is usually the the cycle. I, yeah. I'm like that, makes, well, perfect that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, we uh, we I just saw Chad Beaver himself walking by here. So, how? Um, 
figured I'd stop by and talk. You guys know each other, right? Oh, yeah. I believe we've met. Yeah, yeah, back German. Yeah, German. Yeah, yeah. Look a little familiar. Back from the Brugula days, right? Yeah. So he knew you before you were famous, so you know he actually likes you. Yeah, so. and he actually well, grew up with my wife. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Right down, right down the street. Yeah, so. Cool. What are you drinking there? Uh, pixel Density from Phase 3 out of the Chicago area. So Okay. Not I, one of yours? Nope. I could drink mine all the time. Uh, every once in a while, somebody else's sounds really good. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully everybody knows Chad Beavers. Yes, Chad. owner, founder, brewmaster, everything of Little Beavers. Yeah, I mean we're sponsored by this place. We're sitting here, but I mean I'm very genuine in just how impressed I am that you were able to build all of this out of your your passion for beer. It's such a great local success story, and um, you know just exactly the kind of thing you want to see happening. And if someone has an idea, they invest in it. Now you got how many people working here? I mean. Yeah, we went from like four to forty-five uh, yeah. in the last year, so it's been been People, pretty wild ride. And you're you're distributing outside of Illinois now too, right? Yep, and we actually just signed with our first distributor within Illinois, um, so they'll be taking over everything north of I-80 for us here really soon. Um, it's an individual who has connections all over the country. Uh, he's the guy who brings in all the big the big hyped up breweries from other states to come to festivals and events and things in Illinois. Um, so he's also, in addition to helping us grow there, he's going to be able to help us grow across the country. So um, should be a really good partnership. Great guy. I'd consider him a friend. I've known him for a while. He's grew up with a whole bunch of my Chicago brewery friends. So there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of symbionts, symbiosis. I don't know how. Can't really think of the word. Synergy, word. Synergy sounds good, <laughs> too. the corporate term. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite the corporate guy. Well, I noticed. So. Good. <laughs> I like to keep it that way. So. You're bring, bringing money into the community, helping people support themselves. Just uh, And, just you know, talking cool. on that really quick, money into the community, I, one of my goals uh, of, and actually one of our main reasons of adding food um, was we heard from so many people that were traveling through town that, you know, well, we wish you guys had food, but you, you didn't, so we're going to you know, go some, somewhere else for dinner or whatever, or they just went somewhere else for dinner but knew they wanted our beer. Um, so it's really fun, especially now that we're in the heart of travel season and COVID's you know, kind of going away. Don't want to say anything too jinx it but um but you know i think it was wednesday or thursday this week i've got really good at if i'm in the brewery or i'm in the tap room here i can just look at somebody and notice if it's their first visit sometimes it's because i'll see them pull up and they have utah plates a lot of times it's just because you see where their eyes go you know their eyes kind of look around when they walk in or they pull up and they go take a picture in front of the sign so what i like to do is just go and talk to those people and say how are you doing is this your first time here pretty much assuming that it is and then i just i love to talk to them but it was just one day last week that we had about 20 or so people it was like 2 30 in the afternoon on a weekday you know most people are that were in here i assume either have the day off or they're traveling every single person that was here was traveling that day and the closest one was danville and there happened to be two separate groups from from there so i was like do you know them by chance they might be your neighbors but that that kind of stuff really means a lot to me because not only is it bringing in you know like uh, one, you know, I call it like one-time money or things like that. It's people that are traveling through, but it's also those same people are, uh, you know, staying at hotels, filling up gas, going to eat other places, shopping for stuff. So yeah. that means a lot to me. Being born and raised here in Bloomington, normal, yeah. you know, I love to see other people's money come into this community. So that little things like that really mean a lot. And I've even asked a lot of my staff that if you ever talk to somebody and they mention they're from out of town, come over and grab me because I just want to come up and shake their hand and say thank you. I, I yeah. appreciate it because. I think those things go a long way, and yeah, there's so sure. many people that I'll talk to, and 
Oh yeah, we. This was one of our destinations. We knew it was going to add two hours to our trip, but we've seen what you've done the last the last couple years, and we wanted to come and check it out. And you know, I just love to be able to shake those people's hands. And then when they find out that I'm that I'm the founder, I'm Chad Beavers, then they're like, Oh my God, I, I, I got to go tell my wife that I just met the owner. And, you know, I don't I don't consider Have you taken my your fair share of selfies with people. Uh, not a lot. No, not I guess really. I sign shirts. Are you the shirt signing? Yeah, yeah. no, but <laughs> I, I with just, a face like that. Yeah, yeah right. So I've got a face for radio, I guess. Right. So that's cool. Well, well, yeah, I had it's some been fr- a lot of fun. I had some friends who moved out to Washington, and you know, it's a pretty good craft beer out there. He, he came back and he said, "Man, I'll tell you, like, I'll, the breweries here in Central Illinois, like, I'll put them up against what we have on the in the Northwest any day." And he was actually making a run to here and other places just to stock up on some different stuff he liked uh, to bring back home with them. That's so, awesome. um, yeah, you, you, the quality holds up too. Well, and you guys also just added a whole bunch of tables and shit. I've, I've been here three times, I think, in the last two weeks, and noticing a lot more people here kind of COVID stuff left in but you just added a whole bunch of tables chairs yeah, got we, that in so a lot more seating right yeah we added a little bit more um, you know we we didn't want to buy too many tables and chairs while everything was still under COVID mitigations it just didn't seem much to make much sense to buy buy tables and chairs and then store them off site so we just waited until uh, the state pretty much gave the all clear to, to bring the rest in what's so. your capacity here now I honestly don't know. I, 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 a couple hundred, right? Uh, in between inside and outside, I think it's about three hundred. Yeah. Um, between both of them, yeah. I just don't know the specifics on on what's what. So, you got anything new in the works? How many parking spaces? Oh, sorry. <laughs> don't, <laughs> never mind. Don't, don't go there. Don't hey, go. We, we're always had. always working on parking. I assure you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Got that yeah. off street parking. Yeah. <laughs> just don't well, park. Just don't park in the shop. I'm sorry. That was, a, that was a landmine yeah. you walked into. My bad. <laughs> no, no, we. You know, we encourage yeah. everyone to ride share and, and ride together and things like that. But we, with the new parking lot that we were able to put in last year, it really added a lot yeah, of additional you, parking. Yeah, you guys are good. Um, you got anything in the works on the beverage front? Anything to, to mention here? Yeah, always. The big thing is our big release next next uh, Saturday on July 3rd. We're doing, uh, it's like, we kind of call the whole series the Beaver Rings, but it's the ring, the gummy rings, sour candy flavor kind of uh, beers. Okay, that, okay. Uh, the first one we did was a collaboration with a shop uh, up in Mokina, Illinois, called Crafted 1979. Um, those, those guys were awesome. They were some of the first people that companies that really embraced what we were doing said we want to bring you into the chicago area and they came down we met we chatted and you know i consider those guys really good friends and um so that that first one that we did with them was called lord of the peach rings and it tastes like sour peach rings candy um and that's exactly you know what the beer was designed to be like and then the next uh, about about a year later we decided stranger things was coming out with a new season uh so why not do a stranger rings and so we made that one strawberry flavored and then it just kind of really, really went went crazy. That was like a Friday afternoon, and it was just Justin Bellis and me here for, like, we opened up at noon just for the release, thinking maybe people will drop by in their lunch hours and grab it. And there was a line all the way out the door <laughs> and all the way down the parking lot with just the two of us trying to keep up till the, till the regular staff showed up to open the tap room at 3 o'clock. So we were like, all right, we're on to something. Let's do it again. And you then guys last, sold that out, too, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Because I remember I was going to come and get some, and he was like, nope, sold out. Yeah, Jeez. like that day, okay. it was remarkable. Yeah. And then uh, last year, with uh, all the Tiger King drama, we decided it's time for Tiger Rings. Um, so we that one went out awesome. That was a watermelon. And then this year, we're doing uh, we were going to actually do a, a spin off of Top Gun. 
um, because it was supposed to drop on July 3rd or 4th, and then they pushed that back to November, so we decided to go with something else. Current events is kind of the idea, you know, find something that uh, that people like, so that's where we went with Space Rings, because the Space Jam 2 comes out right. right around, so our amazing designer, Patty Young, nailed it once again. If you haven't seen the, the graphics, uh, it's really cool. I mean, we she creates everything from scratch, and... Can, can just it just blows my mind what she can do. Is it, so, uh, is that'll it be a, fun. Is the base beer an IPA? They're adding flavor to? Or yeah, it's it? a sour milkshake IPA. Which nowadays IPA is a very loosely okay. defining term for beer. It used to be pretty IPA. It's going to be bitter now. It's like it could be bitter. It can be light. It can be. Dark. I mean, there's so many like dark as far as heavy flavors and things. Yeah. Um, and then they added the milkshake versions, which are essentially uh, add, adding milk sugar, so it adds a little bit of a creaminess. Yeah. I to just it. had the Rainbow Sherbet. Is that an example yeah. of that? Yep. Yeah. That's now, really good. And the difference between that one and what we're doing is the Rainbow Sherbet would just be like a regular milkshake IPA. All of our Sour Ring series are soured beers. So also oh, these are sour beers. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Yep. Okay. And right. and we do what's called a kettle souring process. So um, a traditional sour beer takes like at least 18 months to, to create and then it has bacteria you don't want to incorporate into into clean clean items in the brewery so we don't brew those here because there's a major risk of contamination and we just don't have the space or processes to be able to avoid that so when you do a kettle sour um, it's lacto uh, it's basically lactic acid that that the bacteria creates in the kettle by letting it sit overnight so uh, lactic acid is what makes yogurt it, it exists in your gut it's all over it's totally natural but that's what makes that sourness of the beer and it does a really good job of balancing the sweetness from all the fruit additions along with the sourness but then we also add a lot of hops so it brings that in there but it's, it's a pretty neat pretty neat series you're also doing uh, seltzers right we're doing some seltzers yep because yep. as a guy that can't drink beer because i'm allergic to hops oh that's the there you go the, I, I, I can drink white claw i can do that stuff <laughs> yeah so you had seltzer last time I'm like hey i can finally drink something here yep Oops. we've been trying to work on those um just with summer runs we've been a little bit short on tank capacity despite recently adding several more tanks so um we're and when we do the rings beers it's very i'll call it tank heavy because we have to do a lot of different transfers and the way we do our fruit beer is different than some other places do it so it requires us to transfer our beer so there's a lot of juggling a lot of uh paying attention to what goes where when that happens but then we'll actually have some more seltzers coming back really soon you had a cucumber and a lime yeah did you like that one uh, like the lime one. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. We're always playing, you know, that's kind of what we do. Last summer especially was just all new beers. Just everybody wanted new, new, new. Um, the rest of this summer and getting into the winter, we're going to be doing a lot of repeats of stuff we've done in the past because the I'd probably say 60 to 70% of the beers that we've done, we've only brewed one time, and those are the ones that everybody are starting to ask for again. So it's really good timing to say, okay, we've, we've done all these. Um, we don't have the luxury of a pilot system to where we can brew the little test batches so every time i decide we're going to brew this beer it's 310 gallons <laughs> yeah and it's it's all in you know and that, that's kind of the way we like to operate is a pilot system would be great someday maybe we'll have the luxury of that space but right now we're just cranking it all out if, so. how much do you have any more room here in this building to expand anymore or you, would you have to buy like an off-site space to brew um it? i rearranged something the other day and i i picked up four square feet um, so if, that tells, if that tells you anything, then yeah, I'm pretty proud of some of the uh, the little things that we've created to be able to utilize uh, unusable space, like the 
literally like six square feet above our CO2 tanks, our bulk CO2. Um, we built a little uh, framed up rack basically to be able to store all the slip sheets that go between our aluminum cans. Um, and it's only a couple square feet, but at the same time, it saves that couple square feet in another area for something else. So it's, uh, it's a constant state of juggling, but no, any expansion we do from here uh, would either require custom tanks um, to basically swap out what we have and go with narrower and taller to add more tanks, um, but more than likely it'll just be a separate production facility at some point. My only frame of reference is uh, Breaking Bad, so <laughs> just bigger tanks. Pretty soon you'll be, there'll be like a... Yeah, he has a basement. There'll be a train coming through. You're going to steal all the hops out of the bottom. I was just of it. wondering if we had room for a commercial washer and dryer somewhere, but I don't, I don't think we do, so we'll probably stay away from that for now. <laughs> so, uh, one question for you, and then I'll, I'll let you get back to your, um, back, back to your job here. Uh, let's say somebody new to craft beer... They want to come visit. They've heard there's there's buzz about Little Beaver, but they're kind of intimidated by coconut and apricot flavored stuff, right? Yeah. What, you, what would you what would you recommend they come in and um, check out that's on the menu right now? I'm, one of the things that I've always prided myself and always wanted to to have is the capability of having something that everyone can connect with. Um, by by that I mean that if you walk in and you're that individual who says I don't drink craft beer. We want you to be able to come in and find something you can drink. And a lot of that is it's the uh, the misconceptions that a lot of people have of craft beer, such as I mentioned all the different ways of IPAs uh, earlier. Um, one of my favorite things, and and I, I don't know, maybe it's just the way it's worked out, is a lot of times it's been women like in their, their 60s or, or older that I've had conversations with that have come up to the bar and said, I'm here with some friends. I don't drink beer. I wondered if you might have something else that, that I could I could drink. And keep in mind, this was a year and a half ago when we only had 10 beers on tap. But I was always trying within those 10 beers to make sure that even people like that could find something they can enjoy. So what it really comes down to is asking the right questions and getting them um, to, to look past what is actually in the beer and what is it that they want. And what I mean by that is these women would say, I don't want anything hoppy. Okay, why, why don't you want anything hoppy? I don't like bitter. Oh, okay, so they equally, they instantly, I know in their head, they equate hops to bitter. Well, most of the way the IPAs are brewed nowadays by a large majority of breweries, including ourselves, they're not made to be bitter. They're made to be juicy. They're made to be a little on the sweet side, and that all comes from what hops you add and when you add them and in what quantities you add them. Um, so what I would do is with these women and guys, it's happened to us too, but it just typically seems like it's women over 60. And I love it, though, because I'll get to talk with them they'll tell me that and I say okay well do you like fruit do you like wine do you like ciders and you know like you know I'm a spirits drinker or I like mixed cocktails but I I definitely prefer some on the sweeter side oh okay do you like you know do you like orange juice do you like grapefruit juice and I find out oh yeah they they like grapefruit orange okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have you try a couple beers and I want you to tell me which one is your favorite and I I try to not let them see which tap I pull it from so that they can't look at the board and be like no that's an IPA and nine times out of ten what I would end up finding is that these women would love our double IPA, which would be the hoppiest beer on the menu at that time. Okay. And then five minutes later, they're out bragging to their friends, and I'm drinking an IPA. This is the hoppiest beer that they have on the menu right now. <laughs> <laughs> and here's somebody that walked in the door saying, 
I don't drink beer. I don't like beer, especially anything with hops. And, and it's just that, that misconceptions, and it's an educational yeah. thing. So now that we have 24 taps inside and 8 taps outside, um, in addition to being able to have those kinds of conversations, which isn't an everyday thing, and some people you still can't convince that what they know is not correct, and no offense to anyone who, who follows that, but misconceptions happen. You know, we all we all know what we know, and that's all we know. Yeah. And so the craft beer game has just changed dramatically I mean, yeah. in the last 10, 15 years, right? Absolutely. Like, yep. yeah, the variety that's out there is incredible. Yeah, and with the addition of the food, we found that we needed to add a lot more lighter beers because that's what a lot of people wanted. They weren't looking for extreme flavor, which is all that we were pretty much known for um, up until this last year. Uh, so we've got a lot of beer-flavored beers, as I like to call them. Um, you yeah, know, like our, the just down there. Yeah, our Kolsch, our lager lager. we got Hook and Lager, which is an even lighter version of a lager. You know, it's like 4%. Um, we'll have the uh, plethora of pinatas coming back, which is a Mexican pilsner. You know, again, another four percent beer. We've got a lot of fruit beers. We've been bringing on a lot of a lot of uh, guest cider. We don't have the licensing to make our own cider, but we have quite a bit of ability to buy um, fruity flavored, whatever kind of basic ciders everybody wants. So, we've been doing a good job of hitting that finding a beer or a beverage for everyone How so, many, basically, so basically just come in and come up to the bar and have a conversation someone can help you out that's you exactly in. what yeah. i recommend yeah, yeah don't sure. just assume that we don't have anything that you like just because you didn't like your friend's homebrew or your friend drinks sam adams and that's not for you or yeah. you went to, to one craft brewery you know two years ago and it was crappy beer mm-hmm. i hate to say it, but there's some breweries that do make crappy beer and i mean sure there's beers that i make some beers that i i wouldn't call them crappy but i won't drink them because i don't like it (laughs) everybody assumes that i love fruit beer because we make a lot of fruit beer i don't even drink you'll never see me drinking a fruit beer i'll I'll taste it to make sure it's where i want but i don't enjoy them but we make them because our customers want them and so that's where that comes about how many different beers how many i mean your recipe book's got to be huge because you're always releasing stuff what any idea what your number is i honestly have no idea 200 300 500 easily Yeah. yeah and there's still beers that we want to brew that we just haven't been able to yet um, just because of one thing or another there so it's it's an constantly evolving recipe book if you will I'll just throw that out there. Uh, the, the name Podbn has not been copywritten to oh. our, uh, uh, so Good. if you ever if you're ever looking for a name <laughs> what mean, to do yeah we're, well uh, you know we can we can talk about marketing partnership there All right we can do that we can do that so I'm pretty sure you're far more popular than we are, so that'd be a huge boost to us with no benefit to you, but that's cool. You, know? you never know. You never know. So we, we do fun collabs um, just based on relationships, based on things. We got one that we're doing with a, a, a shop in Indiana that we're going to be canning up uh, in the next week or so that was a strawberry rhubarb sour, um, so that'll be fun. I mean, we, we do a lot of stuff, so you'd be surprised. Our uh, We've got a new website being built right now, and I don't know if you guys know Dan Wood or not Um, but Dan's an old friend of mine and so he's doing our website we thought it'd be fun to collaborate so we're working on the magic blue beer to go with his company the magic blue box Um, and that's a uh, Doctor Who reference for those of you out there in the world that know Doctor Who not everyone does but so yeah we can discuss it how's that that's good when's the website I I really don't know it'll probably be several weeks still Um, they've, they've been working a lot on it but as much as we'd like to think those of us that don't design websites think that it's just click click boom doesn't quite work that way so 
Well, thanks for sitting down with us, yeah, chat a little absolutely. bit. And thanks for all of the tasty beverages. Thanks for coming in, and thanks for everything, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. You can still sit and chill and talk about parking with us if you like <laughs> to, but <laughs> they're just going to fast forward yeah, to your right. talk. They're not going to skip right over us. Do we have any other topics yeah. on the agenda? Um, no, no. I. Uh, so you guys got something on your mind? Um, we were talking about books before. I, I'm. Chad was talking about food, so I'm hungry now. Yeah, you I guys am, ate before. I ate before. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get a burger to go. Actually, I really <laughs> like that. Really like that burger down there. So oh, is it top three, top two now? <sighs> I it seems try, like it moves up every time. I just gotta it. keep trying them just to see. I gotta keep reevaluating. Well, I, and Little Beaver has a long history of some great food because I used to always say you guys had the best popcorn machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I guess one question maybe you guys know about the broader community. Do we know? I'm assuming no Brugula this year, right? Uh, I don't know. I, have no idea. I don't anything? know. Yeah. I, our designer Patty is, I think, on the the committee, and she mentioned that they had a meeting coming up. I knew they had a meeting, but I mean, it's from a here we are in June, brewery two months out. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. I'm tight guessing to no. do something yeah. too big. Anyways. Hopefully next year. I always have such a good time there because. How many years did you do that, Jeremy? Oh, jeez. I think I was in it for eight, and you did several yeah, before like me. And after. 12, 15. I pour beer there almost every year as a volunteer. Yeah. I drink uh, I drink the beer that the, you were pouring. So. Yeah. <laughs> the thing the thing that hurts me is last year was the 21st anniversary of Brugler. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's so much good marketing off of blacking out on your 21st. Yeah. Or like, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So maybe next year. Who knows? Yeah. It's always such but a you, great time. Neither Chad or I are involved with it anymore. So. Yeah, well, I would assume they would have reached out to you to have a stand if they were doing it. So yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, yeah. you know, I was very, very heavily involved with it, and I pretty much owe this whole company to Brugelow because that's where, you know, I got the confidence to be able to do it from serving to the general public as as a home brewer and getting their feedback and seeing them come back year after Sing the year. Lines. And, yeah, and it was just awesome. And I'll tell you, when we first opened up, some of the coolest things were customers coming in that I didn't know knew any knew me or anything about me and they're like Chad this is amazing are you gonna make this beer or this beer or this beer and I'm like oh my god I don't even remember that and, and it was always Brugula references that people have but yeah. it's just neat to know that people remember beers they sampled at a beer festival seven eight years ago and they still remember and still love it and I get a lot of requests for my mead but I'm not able to make mead with our current licensing so there's a bill working its way through the house on that, I think. Yeah, that would allow us to serve it, but yeah. not make it. When oh, you make yeah, it, yeah, there's, right, yeah. there's yep. three different manufacturing licenses that that each have different licensing, and it was it's beer, which includes uh, green green fermentably derived uh, sugar for seltzer. Um, then there's uh, wine, mead, and cider all fall under another one. And then distilled spirits. any kind of spirits, yeah. So right now we just have beer, so that's all we can make, and then our seltzer. But sir, any other? I'm trying to think if there's any other big community stuff coming up. Uh, Sweet Corn and Blues Festival, or like Sugar Creek Arts Festival. I wonder if those are going on in Arts some kind of form. Arts is going on, I think. I is think it? I heard that. Okay. Yeah, that'll be and, nice and, to get uh, some of those. The music, Uptown Music. What's that called? Normal. Make music. Yeah. Make music normal. Make music normal. Yeah. yeah. That's and yeah. then downtown Bloomington just announced a big concert series that they're doing. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. It's like four free yeah. concerts on the square. 
that. I know WGLT. Oh working yeah, the on castle it. was like working on it. Yeah, I think. Well, so, the right. castle has a Wilco show. That they're shutting down like all Washington Street. And, uh-huh. and that, that's gonna be huge. Yeah. Backyard tire fires coming back together oh, yeah. for that too. So I'm really glad that the castle survived. I was very concerned about yeah. it, and uh, such a just such a gem of the community, and even just in my. 20 years here I've seen it go through so many different iterations of, of cool stuff going on that building and so I was hoping after COVID it wouldn't sit vacant for a while so when they're just coming they're just coming that hard crushing it right out of the gate I mean these are huge shows yeah. you gotta figure all those artists are itching to yeah, play too right, right. <laughs> yeah good yeah. for them I hope the weather cooperates for fireworks. I miss the 4th of July fireworks so much. Last year, I'm really into that kind of thing. So I just watched my neighbors put them off. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't cancel theirs. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that hoping the, the uh, rain doesn't interfere with all of that. It'll be a good time. Everyone yeah. get together. So, cool. All right, gentlemen. I am uh, going to go saunter down to the bar and make a food order here. So, right on. be well. Thanks yep. for Sounds stopping good. by. Yep.